Hey, everybody. Welcome. It's good to see you. This is a super exciting time for our church right now. It just is. Uh, I want to say welcome because I know that every week we're seeing new faces of people that have been gone for a long time who are here back for the first time and people who are new, brand new. If that's you, you're new and you haven't been here before or you're kind of new or you're new because you haven't been here in a long time, welcome at all of our campuses. A bunch of of people are... um, Joining us online, we're growing in our online ministry as well right now, which is kind of fun. And all of our campuses, it's good to say hello to everyone. And we got people in the house where I am here Thursday night as well, and uh, that's exciting. And we got more people in groups than we've had in a long, long time. So it's a great time for our church. It just it feels good, like God's really on the move. And you have heard by now, if you've been around at all, unless you got your head under a rock, you've heard about this elephant in the room. And that's a big deal, and this is your last weekend to register. This is like a $150 or $200 thing that is paid for from the generosity of the people of this church. It's an awesome opportunity. Over 1,000 have already jumped on, and I don't want you to miss it. This is your last weekend. Go to the website and get in on that, and you won't be sorry. I am super excited about this series, mostly because I've seen how deeply it's resonated with a lot of y'all. And I think it's just a really timely thing because as we look at our lives after the last 18 months of this pandemic craziness, I think we're all seeing that there are some things that are part of our life that weren't before. And some of them are good new additions, some habits that we welcome. And then there's some other stuff that we're thinking, man, I don't know. I'm not sure that's so good. If that defines my life, I don't know if it's going to take me in a good place. We're calling it force of habit because habits do have force. So much of our lives aren't really decided in the moment. They're just kind of routines that we do, right? It's like habits. Show me your habits and I'll show you your life, okay? You can boil down, tell you where you're going if I, if I can see your habits. This is why Aristotle, that great Greek philosopher, said, we are what we repeatedly do. And it's absolutely true. So what we're doing is we're digging into God's word to uncover stuff, not so we can do a bunch of like surface level behavior modification and white knuckle our way through some external changes. I'm not interested in that. Trying to act better to impress you, I don't care about that. But what I am interested in is getting at the thing beneath the thing. Like what is the cause of some of the ways we act. A bad habit is a symptom, isn't it, of something else that's going on. And what we want to do is go beneath the surface and figure out what's going on down inside so that we can invite the living Christ into our lives and into our hearts in a deeper way to get past all the ways we distract ourselves from actually paying attention to who we are. Invite Jesus into the deep places so we can find some healing and actually feel his love from the inside then out, not outside in. Does that make sense? That's why I like this series, and I'm super pumped about what we're going to talk about this weekend and and right now. Um, And we've got a whole range of things that we're talking about that would probably fall in the category of bad habits. We started out talking about pride, because it's kind of the mother of all bad habits. Everything kind of flows out of it, right? And then we talked about anger and cynicism last week. We asked Jared, because he's, you know, perfect for those two. And then um, uh, unhealthy escapes we'll talk about. And what are some of the other ones? Lust. Bring them on up there. We've got lust, and we've got lying and worry and complaining. And in a couple weeks, man, you know, don't don't miss this, guys. Brian Head Welch is going to be here. He's the lead singer and founder of the metal band 
corn. I know some of you think a metal band is like a wedding ring, but no, it's like a thing. It's like, never mind, that was a joke. But this guy, whether you know him as this world famous, you know, rocker and idolize him or whatever, or you've never heard of him, it doesn't matter. Uh, be here, and, and I'm promising you, bring someone with you. Because this is a ripe time for a lot of people, and what he's going to share with us is so helpful and important. So that's coming up. Don't miss that. We want to be really practical about this, so um, just before we dive in, I think it's important that we're all thinking about these habits that we have in our lives, the things that... that um, Maybe, we, maybe God has brought one to your mind. If you've been with us for a couple weeks, you've had a head start on this. But maybe if you're just joining us, you can allow yourself to settle a minute and think about, you know, maybe something in your life that's a repeated practice that maybe Jesus wants to help address. What would that be? One little test Marylanders who love crabs can give is this thing we walk through, C-R-A-B, right? So C stands for, is, is this affecting my relationship with Christ? Be honest. Is it affecting my relationship with other people? What would they say is the, is the real answer to that? What about my attitude? Is it affecting that in a negative way? My outlook on life? How I feel about myself? How I feel about my work or my neighbors? And B, is, is it keeping me from really becoming the person that God, you know, is there, a, is there a future like destiny and shape of who you are that's going to be held back if this thing continues to, to have a hold of you? What we're looking for is those deeply ingrained habits that are just like hard to break, right? In fact, does that, does that remind anyone of a song? You old timers know any songs, a hard habit to break, no? No, okay. I thought maybe you would know that song, but. Well, there is a song, you know it's by Chicago and it's a hard habit to break. And, oops. Um, but hard habit, oh. They found it, you found it. You can sing along if you want to, everybody. I'm addicted to you, baby. You're a hard habit to break. All right, what do you do when you got a really hard habit to break? Everyone, everyone awake now? All right, sing along with me on that next time. Um, what do you do when you got a hard habit? Well, the good news is, as we said a couple weeks ago, from the mouth of Peter, who knew Jesus so well, 2 Peter 1.3, the good news is that by God's divine power, he has already given us everything we need. You have it. He's given it. It's grace to live a godly life. We have received all of this when you have said yes to Jesus. When you know Christ and have received him into your life by faith, you say yes to following him, let him forgive your sins and move forward. This is the one who's called him to, uh, uh, to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. You have everything you need to do this. Now, it doesn't mean you don't have some work to do. That's why the equation is, yeah, God's power, he's given it all to you, but the equation is God's power plus what? My effort, your effort. We gotta work at it. We've gotta persevere in this. That's where real change comes from. So that's one reason that we're, um, we're not just doing these weekends. We're, we're kind of saying this is, this is the lecture, but the lab session happens during the week, and that's when you really need to do some effort on this. Don't expect to listen to a bunch of sermons and have your life changed. So there's gonna be some work to do in our groups, and particularly, um, if you'll just text the word um, habit to the number on the screen, that's 877-622. Grab your phone. If you haven't done this, I really encourage you. We're not gonna bombard you with texts, but you will get a couple of really helpful messages 
every week. I'm appreciating the ones that are coming, and they're, they're just kind of a, a little reminder, a little guide. Two or three a week is all, especially this week. I'm going to give you, some, I think, some real help on that. So go ahead, and, and you can text that word habit to the number. Put it back up there on the screen if you can, guys, for a second. 877-622-1824. Some of you are kind of slow on the holster draw there. Um, Today, we want to focus in on a particular um, set of habits that is very important to us, uh, because life is hard, and it's stressful, and we all know that living through the weird world we're in right now makes it more stressful, and all of us are looking for some kind of escape sometimes, um, escape, actually escape, does that... Does that remind anyone of a song, Escape? I've got to meet you by tomorrow oh, yeah. Yeah? Cut through all this red tape. Yeah, you can sing along if you want to. At a bar full of valleys. Uh-huh, and we will what? Where we'll plan Thank you for escape. singing along. That's right, we'll plan our escape. Every once in a while, I don't know if you like pina coladas or not, but we all like to think about a little escape. Now, there's times when that is a healthy form of self-care, right? Like Jesus did this. Like, enough with the people in the stress, he pulled away, he got with the Father, he reset, he, he just spent time getting his head and his heart right again. But there is such a thing, I think we all know this, as unhealthy escapes, right? Where life is stressful and it piles up and we, we just say, man, man, ah, ah, and we start looking for things. You ever, where you just, you just say, I, I, I just got to get away and you're willing to do anything to do it. In fact, you remember the, the Southwest uh, commercials? I got, you want to get away? Yeah, maybe, have you see, did you see this one? Check this one out. I think we have it. Eyes of a puppy dog, lips made for sin. You're not dreaming, I'm for real. We got a call. Yeah, there are times when we feel embarrassed, ashamed, or somebody pulls a, you know, kind of does something that makes us feel insecure, or maybe a certain event that's traumatic for us, or maybe it's just stress, or maybe we just feel like we need a break, or we deserve it, doggone it, we've worked so hard, or just pain comes up, and what we sometimes find ourselves doing is escaping to those things that we've learned can provide some kind of temporary relief and soothing for us to numb some of that that we're not really excited about feeling. Pain, something to help us kind of forget about it for a little while where we don't have to go there because who wants to feel sadness or loneliness or embarrassment or shame or remember that, right? A, a, man, a man once shared his first recollection as a child was very, very, he was very, very young. You can kind of see it in his head. He fell down, he scraped his knee, and he's crying, and he ran to his mom and his arms up, hoping to be lifted up and held. And instead, she looked down at him and handed him an Oreo and said, stop crying. Now, that may not seem like a big deal, but for this guy, it turned into a really big deal. He was hoping for that hug and that longing and that embrace, and instead he was handed food. And as an adult now, decades later, he's looking back and he realizes that's the moment that kind of began a lifelong battle of turning to food 
as the magic solution to make everything feel okay whenever he encountered painful experiences, and it haunts him still a little bit to this day. That Oreo was the beginning of like an unhealthy relationship with something really could be good, right? Food, a treat. But it still kind of sabotages his ability to connect with actual living humans because he's got this pattern of anytime anything gets difficult, he has to escape, and his escape of choice happens to be food. And he's got a string of unbroken, of broken relationships, and um, he just he can't get out of his own isolation. He can't. He keeps sabotaging everything he gets into, and it's holding him back from true intimacy. And that's what escapes do. See, they kind of start innocently enough, and they promise that they're going to sort of make it be okay, but they never actually provide the relief that we're looking for. But we keep trying, and then they escalate. Steve Carter tells how he and his wife. We're, we're doing this uh, like detox, full body detox. They, with 28 days, they just, you know, basically, in his words, we stopped eating anything that tasted any good, you know, and eating these horrible shakes and all this stuff. And for him, what got him was Dr. Pepper, because every day at three o'clock, he had a couple of Dr. Peppers, and it was like that caffeine and that sugar boost kind of really helped him out, helped him get through the day. And he, and he said, without realizing it, I was dependent on it, and, and I wasn't turning to the Holy Spirit to give me any strength. My holy, my holy Trinity was the Father, Son, and Dr. Pepper. And he says, and in the middle of all that, he was just felt, he was cranky, his joints hurt, he was weeping at every commercial, you know, he's just like, what's going on? And he had no idea that he was using Dr. Pepper a seemingly harmless substance to kind of get through the day and avoid the actual uh, part, certain parts of his life. And he began to wonder through that process, like, what else am I attached to, I wonder, that I'm not aware of? What other than God am I using to comfort myself and to get through each day and to soothe and numb and escape my actual life? See, that's the issue. That's the right question. And, and so it's, it's good for all of us. Think about the things that you turn to for relief or escape, you know, you know, food, clothes, gambling, booze, shopping experiences, sex, alcohol, I guess that's booze, people, money, applause, approval, I don't know, figure out your own list, but it's the things that you are your go-to things, right, so that you aren't able to actually experience God in the middle of that need and hurt because we've learned it's just easier to escape. So we stay busy. We go to Amazon. We run to buy some food or drink. We scroll endlessly. We can't get off our phones. We work too much. We buy a new pair of shoes, not because our feet are cold, but because we are trying to escape. And we siphon the good things out of these things and then they just leave us so let me show you what this looks like um a kind of cycle that that i think a lot of us find ourselves in the first you know the, just the reality is sometimes we just feel bad right i mean life is hard as we said we feel bad sometimes we feel bad we're stressed out at work someone says something unkind your kids act out. Your parents are dorks. Kids are yelling. The bills are piling. Stress is rising. And so we feel like I need, I need, to, I need to change something. I, need, I feel bad. And so what do I do? I try to find some kind of relief. Of course we are. We're going to seek some kind of relief. This is not a problem yet. 
I want to find some kind of relief for this. And this is where we start looking for, you know, there are, of course, many healthy things that we can turn to. You, you have a talk with Jesus about it. You journal out your thoughts. You talk to a spouse. You go to a counselor. You, you go to your small group and get some help. You sit in the bathtub with worship music playing. You ride your bike. You go to Pilates. You take your Sabbath rest and cook a good meal and sit down. You know, what, there's lots and lots and lots, an infinite number of healthy, positive, godly, good escapes. But what happens is even in those Seemingly good things, if we don't invite God into that, what we're doing is we're teaching ourselves that we can be fulfilled and satisfied with something else. And sometimes some of the things that we seek to find relief are really just ways to numb pain. If I just, I'm just going to take a little drink, it'll take the edge off. Or I know these pills were for my back pain, but doggone it, after the month I've had at work, I, I deserve this. Or seemingly innocent thing, I'm just going to watch TV, but then it ends up being 12 hours of TV. Or some online gambling or having an affair, right? You know, the list goes on and on. We know, right? There's lots of stuff that we do that helps us find relief. And, and, and what's interesting is very often what happens is for a little while, guess what? We feel better. I mean, even sin. I mean, sin is fun, right? How many, know, how many of you know sin is fun? Right? right? If, if you don't know that, um, you're doing it wrong or you're lying, okay? <laughs> so, I mean, some sin is fun, but here's the problem. Here's the problem. It doesn't last. It feels fun in the, in the second, right? But then it, it's a sin for a season. It's like, boom, all of a sudden that party is over. So, you know, when, when, I, when I view, you know, porn or whatever, it's gratifying briefly and then boom, it's gone. It's like uh, all of a sudden, oh, no. Or I eat an entire bag of Doritos or I scroll right for two hours or whatever to take my mind off it. It sort of takes my mind off it and it feels good. But guess what? We feel empty afterwards, right? The fulfillment fails. The thing it promised, the thing we were seeking, it actually leaves us feeling worse and empty. And we feel bereft. We feel like spiritually, emotionally, physically Financially, in almost every way, we feel cruddy. In other words, we feel bad. Except now, I remember this, and it's, it's, it's at least something, so we have to do a little more. And then we feel really cruddy. And then... We have to do a little more, and it's crazy cycle right here. Leaves a lot of us just feeling empty, and it feeds sin patterns, and it establishes strongholds, and the enemy grips your life, and you end up living this almost life, this hollowed-out life. It's how addictions start. It's how lives are wasted. How's that working out for you? In contrast to all of that, God says, oh, I long for you to know that I love you. I made you for a relationship with me, and I can satisfy the deepest longings of your heart. So that we could say with the psalmist in Psalm 18, you know what? The Lord is my rock, my go-to. He's my fortress. What's a fortress? When you're in the middle of a battle and stressed out, you have a place to go hide. 
It's your escape is what it is. And my deliverer, he's my rescuer. He's, gonna t- he's the one I'm going to go to. My God is my rock in whom I what? Take refuge. This is escape language. My shield, the thing that's going to protect me. And the horn of my salvation, my, my, my life, my stronghold and my safe place. Oh, that we would say that about God rather than the stuff. Uh, so instead of turning to that stuff and feeling empty and worse, we could say with Isaiah, we could hear God saying to us in Isaiah 45, turn to me. Turn to me. Peter says, cast all your anxiety. When, you, when you're all stressed out and I got to do something, cast all your anxiety on him. This is where God has to enter the equation of our life. So here's the question. The million dollars of cryptocurrency question. Where do you turn? God says, turn to me, and we often turn to something else. This is what happens in the Old Testament, right? If you know your, if you know your our Bible, you know the Old Testament's where the children of Israel were, were um, moving through the wilderness and... Um, God had delivered them to the Red Sea, but they had ancient Near Eastern pagan neighbors who worshipped other gods, and they had a lot of weird religions going on in those days. That seems weird to me because they wanted the rain so much, they would, they would do these weird dances and wild music and chant and beat drums and do, act out in, in, in extreme excessive sexual acts, and um, they would sacrifice animals and sometimes even humans, all just to bring on the rain so they would feel blessed and prospered and make their gods happy. Israelites are watching the neighbors do all this the whole time, but they're like, okay, we're with you, God. You're gonna lead, you, you have been faithful to us, and, and that's great. Until Moses got called by God to go up on the mountain. So he disappears up on Mount Sinai, and he leaves the people in the hands of Aaron. And a few days go by, and then a few weeks go by, and the people begin to get scared, just like what's happening to every American right now. When we get scared, we do crazy stuff. When we have fear, that's the thing beneath the thing for what's going on in this country, if you ask me. We're not in control, so we got to do something crazy. Maybe, I don't know, maybe God forgot about us. Maybe, I don't know, can we really trust him? And so, you know, I don't, maybe if we tried some of that dancing and had an orgy and, and beat some drums, maybe, I don't know, worth a shot. And so Aaron, the next thing you know, he's grabbing all their jewelry and gold wristbands and melting them down and... Let's see, what do they do over there? Oh, yeah, it's a calf. We'll make it into a ca- shape of a calf, and we'll call it our God. And then they make plans. He, say, he says, here's your God, and they're like, okay. We'll go after it. We'll, we'll, we'll worship that one. And they move from panic to partying, just like that. It was a golden opportunity, if you will, for a great big escape. A way to cope, because we hate being out of control. That's what we love about our idols, is it gives us the illusion of control. I, can, I may not be able to get my wife to do what I want, but I can sure as heck drink this scotch. I may not be able to lose weight, but I can sure put down this bag of Doritos right now. And we make it a God. Here's how you know if something's an idol that you love. It's not going to look like a golden calf probably, but if it gives you a sense of being in control... Look at your nightmares like the thing you're really scared about. Like if you lost it, oh no, my life wouldn't be worth living. Or what do you make sacrifices for? That's your God. You stay up half the night and you sacrifice sleep, not because you want to, but because it just sort of keeps happening. 
for whatever reason, that thing is keeping you up, that screen you can't turn off, whatever it is, there's your clue. You feel sick the next day, and you're sacrificing your health over this thing. There's a clue. You promise to change. You apologize to a bunch of people, but it doesn't really stop, and you're sacrificing your integrity and your trustworthiness and your relationships. You tell yourself it's not costing you anything, but then it, it really is. It's, you're making big sacrifices. And these are, this is what we do for our counterfeit gods. We make these sacrifices so we can escape, and it's our way of saying, God, you're not enough. I want to keep my religion in the shallow surface level, external way, but not down deep where I'm really hungry and thirsty. So in the Old Testament, uh, sometime after the incident with the golden calf, God's people are now in exile over in Babylon, and God comes to them and sends a message to the prophet of Jeremiah. I love a couple of these verses in chapter 2 because they speak so clearly to us. It begins this way. Here's what he says to them. I remember how it used to be, people. I remember your devotion, how eager you were to be with me like a young bride, like, like we were like newlyweds back in the day. Some of you are like, did you ever have a relationship with God like that? You loved me. You followed me. You, even through the tough times, we were together. We were tight, and then you turned away. I used to be enough, but you turned away. Verse 2, verse 4 through 6 says, So what did your ancestors find so wrong with me that led them to stray so far from me? They worshiped worthless idols only to become worthless themselves. They did not ask, oh, where's the Lord? They didn't turn to me. How about God who got us through all this stuff? How about he never lets us down? He always gets us the right stuff. No, no, they stopped turning to me. Because I was not enough. And it says in verses 11 to 13, Jeremiah 2, has any nation ever traded its gods for new ones like this, even though they're not gods at all? These aren't gods. They can't do anything for you. Yet my people have exchanged their glorious God for worthless idols. And then God says, verse 12 says, the heavens are shocked at such a thing and shrink back in horror. God's saying, Seriously? After everything I am and have been for you, you're going to exchange me for a worthless God who can't provide what you're really looking for? And then he sums it up in this way in verse 13. My people have really done two evil things here. One, they've abandoned me, and I'm the fountain of living water, he says. And instead, they've dug for themselves cracked cisterns that can hold no water at all. So water is this symbol of life-giving joy and peace and satisfying, ah, the relief symbolized through fresh water. And God says, you have that in me. But sometimes we say, nah, it's not enough. That's not working for me. I, I, I want to drink what the neighbors are drinking. And so we find relief some other way. Find fulfillment and keep trying to look for, we're trying to find that thing. We're trying to find it. And we still, we still just can't seem to find what we're looking for. That reminds me of one of the songs. Some of you are falling asleep. The thing that you turn to, your escape, if it's not God, doesn't hold water. That's, that's the leaky cistern. You keep thinking, man, it's going to satisfy me. It's going to bring satisfaction. It's going to bring fulfillment. It's going to bring meaning. But sometimes it just doesn't bring 
You knew where that was going. try and we try and we try and we try. So that's what was going on with the woman that Jesus met one day. She was at a well of all places and the only thing we really know about her is that she must have had some deep hurts in her life because she's trying to fill the relief of her pain through man after man after man through relationships. We don't know why they were failing like that but her relationships weren't lasting. Maybe, they were, maybe she was one of these that's kind of drawn to abusive men. And eventually she had to get out to survive. Or maybe she herself was somehow impossible to live with. We don't know. We know she had five husbands and she was now with another guy trying it again. She was just looking for love like all of us. But probably... Looking for love in all the wrong places. All right. Are you awake? Are you following me? Okay. I'm insisting that you follow me by playing music in my sermon. <laughs> Did anyone ever look to a person to do what only God could do? We're all thirsty for love, just like that woman. And sometimes we look to our kids or our grandkids or our spouse or a lover. Standing here by a well, Jesus says, if you knew who I was, you'd know that 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 thing you're thirsty for, I can, I'm living water, he says. I'm, I'm living water. That's a leaky cistern. I'm living water. Verse four, 13, Jesus says, anyone who drinks water, like some things you drink, you're just going to get thirsty again, like H2O. That's not going to cut it. It's going to send you right back in that cycle of shame. But then he says in verse 14, those who drink the water that I give will never be thirsty again. The ultimate thing you're looking for will be fulfilled. And, he, and he's quoting, he's, he's reminding us of all these great Old Testament passages like Psalm 63. God, you're my God. I search for you. My soul, what? Thirsts for you. Psalm 42, as a deer longs for what? Streams of water. That's how I actually long for, the thing we're thirsty for is God. And so this woman with her hurting heart and her thirsting soul says in verse 15, please, sir, talking to Jesus now, give me this water because I'm tired of this. I want off this crazy cycle. I don't, ever, I, I don't want to be thirsty anymore. I want to be fulfilled. I want to turn away from these escapes. I'm ready to turn to you. And those words that she said are the words that Jesus Christ is hoping you will say to him now. Please, sir, will you give me yourself? Because I know that when I have more of you, I will stop this craziness of looking to something that will never satisfy me. Taking good things and trying to make them God things doesn't work. So, let's get practical and leave you with some questions. This is the, this is the homework and hard part, so don't tune out on me. This is the really important part. Let me give you a few questions and things to think about if you're serious about kind of like, okay, take a deep breath. What's God got for you here? Let's take a look. Number one, think about your triggers. Like what are the, where are you and what's going on when you start kind of feeling bad or sad or mad? What makes you feel bad, sad, or mad? 
What kind of sends you saying, I got to go find some relief? And you need to know that. Pay attention. Is it Christmas? Is it meeting with your parents? Is it when you have a bad month at the office? Is it, when you're, is it every Friday night? What, what's your trigger? You got to know some of that. Second, think about your triggers. But number two, identify your particular escapes because they're different than someone else. Ask yourself, where do I really go? Where's my go-to? Where do I turn when I really want to be comforted? I want to soothe. I feel like i got to escape. Where do I turn? There's probably some healthy things on your list. There's probably some unhealthy things that you use to shut out the world and deal with your pain. Let's look at a few things, just a few examples. You be thinking of yours, okay? You know, what's your relationship with some of this stuff? And maybe there's more. Wherever we go to numb our pain, escape the hard things of our actual life, whether it's staying busy or whatever to escape and soothe ourselves, we're trying to make a God thing out of a good thing. That's an unhealthy escape. Pain is our friend when it drives us to our knees. And finally, Jesus can come into the actual places of our real lives, not the ones we've always just masked and numbed to death. Pain can be our friend when it drives us to our knees, and we can say finally, in an authentic way, Sir, I want that. I need you. So ask yourself, did I use whatever, whatever from your list, did I use that thing to escape discomfort or make me feel better? And hear the words of Jesus, Matthew, 20, Matthew 11, verse 28. Friend, are you tired? Tired of this? You worn out? Is the religious game of trying to act good on the outside while all the crap is still there on the inside, is that just, you done with that? If so, Jesus says, come to me. Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how to do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. You're not going to lose all the good things in life. Keep coming with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. The very thing we're looking for is him. Come to me. When you need relief, come to me. When you're stressed out, come to me. When you're feeling the trigger, come to me. Will you let Jesus be enough? Number three, what are you putting in place of God? What are you putting in place of God? It's where you're consistently spending money and time and conversation it's the thing you're having a hard time letting go of. It's where you gravitate when you're going through a tough time. You spend too much time or money on it. Those are clues that that relationship or that person or that object or that substance or that thing, that activity, that train of thought, whatever it is, is going to leave you empty even if it feels good for a moment. Because our ultimate fulfillment comes, I, 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 here's a great verse for you, Ephesians 3.9, excuse me, 3.19, Christ's love is greater than anyone can ever know. But I pray that you will be able to know that love, and then you can be filled 
with all the fullness of God. And then you get out of that. You don't, you know, you're, not, you're still going to feel bad sometimes. Stress comes. But you can be filled with the fullness of God. You're not going to... The pain we feel, the ache we have, can't be fulfilled by a lover or a logger. <laughs> the belonging that we seek can't be filled by a friend or food. The God-shaped hole can only be filled by God himself. So, friend, what unhealthy escape specifically, what unhealthy escape are you seeking right now? And so what boundaries do you need to set around it? Like, if I want to honor my wife, i got to set some boundaries there. She's pretty happy if I go with no other women in my life. God's the same way. He's not like, I want to be number one of all your gods. Like, that's not how he looks at it. That's why Jesus said, you know, the, great, the Ten Commandments said, no other gods, like none. Like, get rid of all the idols. Remove the threats to the relationship. When Moses came down off the mountain and he found that golden calf, he didn't just say, oh, silly people, and put it in the closet. He burned it, and he put it in their water and said, drink that, because I don't ever want you to forget how stupid this was. What idol do you need to destroy? Some kind of ingrained pattern. It might be a friend. It might be something with social media. Don't just say, well, I'll try to spend less time. Get rid of your account if you have to. If drinking has become your way to relax, maybe you need to take some steps and responsibility to do something about it. Wealth, accumulation, whatever it is. Jesus says you can't serve two masters. So friends, all of this, the final step comes down to what the woman at the well did when she turned to Jesus and says, I want you. And that's my prayer and my hope that mountain people hearing this message would, would say that, that we'd all just have kind of a, a way, a, an ability to say to the Lord, I, I, I'm, I want you more than I want temporary relief from whatever my escape is providing. It's time to get back to Jesus. How are you going to get back to Jesus? Let me share just one tool to close that has been helpful to me. I found it in a book. It's called a one-minute pause. We live in a crazy time. Everyone's going crazy and we're going fast. We just got to break out of the cycle here and go someplace different. So this is a one-minute pause. And uh, it's just a way of cultivating a quiet heart, slowing down. Just one minute. You can do it one minute. You can do it five or ten, but let's start simple. So twice a day, three times a day, maybe twice would be a good place to start. Just take a deep breath. Take a deep breath. Maybe you come home, pull in the driveway, put your head on the steering wheel. And when you get in the shower in the morning, it's one of my times. Deep breath. And simply pray two short prayers. Number one, Jesus, I give everyone and everything to you. Just decompress. Middle of your day. You're about ready to dive into the emails. Just stop. 60 seconds. <sighs> Jesus, I give everyone and everything to you. And then let that just ooze out of you for three or four minutes. Or three, uh, 30, 40 seconds. And then follow it with this one. Just, I need more of you to fill me. Fill, more, fill me with more of you. Simple prayer. Just let your heart kind of think about those two things. I give everything and everyone to you and fill me with more of you. Here's a QR code if you want an app that I'm using that 
lead you through it, you know, remind you twice a day or as many times you want. You can just get that QR code if you want. It's called the, uh, what's it called? Huh? The Pause app, thank you. It's from John Eldridge. So you can take a shot of that at home. I think it'll work on your screen as well, campuses. But uh, maybe you'll join me in that. Give you a second to do that. I can't wait to see the new you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for caring about us at a heart level, not just how we act on the outside. And thank you for giving us a chance at living water. Help us to give you everything. Fill us with more of you. We pray this in the name of Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Amen.